Hi, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. This week, we are excited to welcome back a guest we had almost a year ago, which we were super surprised about, uh, Lauren McLean. And she is going to tell us all the things we wish we had known last September uh, when our oldest kids were starting school. We didn't even know the questions we needed to ask for the podcast at this time, but now we do. And man, oh man, there are just so many good learnings and insights Lauren has shared with us. If you have a kid who is starting school soon or returning to school, this episode is going to be really great for you to figure out what the heck happens at school because Jen and I are now a year into being parents of school-age kids and we still don't really know what's going on in that building. So Lauren is answering all our questions. If you have a kid going to school for the first time, she's going to tell you the skills they really need to know before they get there. And we're going to talk about whether or not they spend time outside, when they spend time outside, how you can help your school encourage that in your kids, and also talk a little bit about some of the emotional adjustments and Lauren reminded us after we finished recording that your kids are on their best behavior when they start school and the teachers are getting their very best. And sometimes that means as parents, we're getting their very worst. So she's going to talk to us about how we can ease them into the transition of either starting kindergarten, starting school for the first time, or returning to school after a summer. And I wish I had heard this episode. I wish we could go back a year ago and give this information to Kate and Jen then. We hope you're going to find it really useful. Welcome back to the podcast, Lauren. We're so excited to have you back on the show. Thank you so much, Kate and Jen. It's lovely to see you again. Nice to see you too. We are really excited to talk to you about this topic because Jen and I are just coming to the end of our first year as parents of school-age kids. And honestly, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I don't think I really knew what was coming for us last year, leading you know out of the summer and into the start of the school year, which in uh, our area is in September. And the kind of roller coaster of emotions and changes mm. that came with the kids starting kindergarten. So we wanted to kind of give some perspective on that. Like, what the heck happens at school? When do kids <laughs> come outside? All yeah. these kind of questions about like the th- sorts of things that we honestly didn't know. And I didn't even think to ask, right, Jen, we had so like, it never oh occurred gosh, to me. To so ask. naive. We were so naive. Well, we didn't even know. We didn't even know. I know. Yeah. So we thought it'd be nice to have a teacher here from one of our local school districts who can take us through this. And Lauren, what I thought might be useful for our, our listeners and actually for me, because even after a year of having a kid in kindergarten, I'm not sure I'm any closer to the answers on any of these questions we're going to ask you. (laughs) It's useful for anybody. But can you tell us a little bit about like a day in the life of a kid in kindergarten? What actually happens? Yeah. (laughs) Well, in BC, we do have our BC curriculum, but we also have the uh, early learning framework, which spans from early years, so preschool, until really grade three. And it is very play centric. So play, play, play. Learning is through play. Play equals learning. Uh, It's a wonderful resource that any educator, any family member can Google online. It's just a free PDF up there from our, our government. It's fantastic. In essence, I mean, all teachers do have autonomy in what their days look like and what their classrooms look like, but they enter the classroom they put their backpacks away. Typically, they change into their inside shoes. They'll maybe go to the washroom, wash their hands, all independently, fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, COVID has changed a lot of that where parents typically are no longer coming into the schools. Mm-hmm. Did so they used they, to? 
I, can't, I don't even know. To. They and used it to was chaotic <laughs> in a great sense because it was nice to connect and mm. it was nice for them to see inside and oh look at that artwork oh what a cute book oh I love the new uh centers that you have out at the carpet so it feels a little disconnected now but at the same time it makes our job a lot easier and it's actually a lot easier for the kids to say goodbye to the parents outside Mm -hmm. and then inside that's their world that's their realm they're independent they're the stars of the show um so so, just on the even that first bit yeah. Like when we think about what our kids need to know how to do, they need right away, they need to know how to change their shoes, yeah. how to take off their jacket. Mm-hmm. And then what I think is a big one, going to the bathroom completely independently. Oh, like there's yeah. a lot in what you've just there's said. A lot of that steps you might be like, there. my kid's not even wow. <laughs> and I would say the washroom is the number one priority. So legally speaking, <laughs> we don't love to do legal talk. We cannot help a child in the washroom. That is a phone yep. call home. It, mm-hmm. there's, it's a safety thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have stalls in the school. And so they need to know how to close a stall. Oh. Like even yeah. sliding sliding the um the little doohickey notch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know the word. <laughs> well, and I remember my son was in a K-1 combined class. And in other classes, it may be different. But I know in some kindergarten classes, they sometimes have a washroom in the class. In this case, they did not though. So his washroom was just the washroom down the hall. And that was actually the scary part for him. We actually had to talk to the teacher and they had to assign him like a bathroom buddy, another (laughs) child who was an older grade one kid to go with him because he was so nervous to leave the classroom. Like I hadn't even thought about that part. We had walked through the other steps, but I hadn't realized he was like, I'm like, dude, because we had this talk and realizing he's not drinking water at school because he's too scared to go to the bathroom. You know, I think you just hadn't thought to prep on. And when we finally had like um, a parent teacher interview, we Mm. took him and we practiced like, let's practice walking down the hall. Let's practice finding the stall and locking the doohickey. I hadn't Um, even thought about locking the door. Yeah. Because often... We go in, I mean, my son's four. I don't really lock it. We actually don't close the door at all. We yeah. just work <laughs> open and we're there to watch if he needs help. Otherwise, I might close the door a bit and I walk away. I wait for him to call me back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to Jen's point, so now you're leaving a safe space of the classroom. You're walking down a hallway. Do I go left? Do I go right? That takes, that's a lot of extra steps at the beginning of the year. So that's tough. Mm. Um the school, luckily that I'm at, they they have washrooms inside the classroom that connect yep. between both K classrooms. And there's another one, a smaller one in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they do have to go in the hallway, but it's right there. So I'm going to drop in a link in the show notes to, uh, I don't want to get yeah. technical on this, but if your <laughs> child is having trouble wiping and this is something yeah. that they have to learn before they go to school, Busy Toddler had an amazing step-by-step process for how to to get your kid on this track that is amazing so if this sort of stuff if you're thinking oh my gosh I hadn't even thought about this for school you have plenty of time there's all of the summer to practice and I will drop in the link because it was I found that very helpful when we're at that point yeah and I (laughs) would second that because I have downloaded that myself it is it's very good she knows what she's talking about (laughs) so Lauren they've come in they've you know changed their shoes Mm -hmm. they've gone to the bathroom. this is probably taking ages already gone to the bathroom yeah yeah what do they actually do and do they ever go outside oh (laughs) most importantly (laughs) most importantly yeah I mean 
the the morning entrance is the most rushed part of the day. So kindergarten teachers are so skilled at making that a calm environment. They typically do things like whether they call it soft starts. So they'll put books at one table, maybe some building blocks at another table, some coloring pages, and they have time to make their own choice, whatever makes them feel good. I'm interested in that. I can socialize or I can do it by myself. Uh, And so we have enough time to get everybody into the classroom, saying goodbye to their parents. I mean, that would that would be my other big thing is making sure um, that they're okay saying goodbye to yeah. parents and to grandparents, right? That can be a really tough thing. You know, they're grabbing onto the legs and we don't want to be ripping them off the legs. But <laughs> I will say as a teacher, harder as a mom, because I've had to do it a few times is just like, sorry to my kids, I have to go like, there, you know, I'm trying not to show any yeah. emotion. This is just part of what we yeah. do today. And then off we go, the more we linger, <laughs> the, worse it the harder it is. I know. Yeah. It just gets so much worse. <laughs> yeah. So they presumably do some kind of activity in the morning. This is going to depend on the teacher. Yeah. Maybe they eat a snack. Can you tell us what parents should be p- putting in a lunchbox and what kids need to know to do independently with their snack and their lunch? Because this, yeah. again, I just didn't even know to know this stuff. Well, and it's so different. If, if your kids were in daycare, even if they weren't. So my kids are in daycare. We work full time. But we, um, what the, our daycare has asked is they have a small container labeled snack. And I put it in the snack <laughs> tub. And then their lunch is a bigger one. And that goes oh. in a, on a lunch tray. So there oh. are two different spots at our daycare. And then the water bottle goes in a different area. Mm. That doesn't happen in kindergarten. Mm. You have a backpack, typically. Your bag, your lunch bag is in your bigger backpack. And so learners, the first few days are opening it and they have no idea what a lunch is and they don't know what a snack is. And so they're staring at this huge amount of food, feeling overwhelmed, and they might either eat all of it at 10 a.m. Oh my gosh, (laughs) because they think they need to. Or, but I mean, this is the brilliant part about kindergarten teachers is, yes, they have 20 students, but they are floating around. Oh, remember only just one, the, find your smaller snack. And, you know, they help do all of that. Uh, but, but if they know what a snack is, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I just, it's it so snack true. Or label it number one or label it with a picture of an apple. You can eat the apple thing first or whatever it is but you know pack it with your kids so they know what's first and then what's the bigger part for lunch yeah oh my gosh that is so cute <laughs> we found out too like our kids had been in daycare so the ratio of course is different in daycare during lunchtime mm-hmm. and my oldest is a bit of a chatterbox and we have heard during daycare like more time on eating and then yeah. school started and during lunchtime the teachers actually go have their lunch of course teachers need to have a break too yeah and so you actually just have you have like floating staff members a little bit mm-hmm. and so we've had to have talks about like the lunchtime is very short for the eating portion yeah. and often you know if you have a little one who's a little bit chatty, all of a sudden these would come home in the beginning. And I'm like, why didn't you eat anything? And he was like, I was just too busy, mom. I didn't have time to eat uh, because they're chatting away. And you know, at daycare, there's not someone saying, eat this, eat this now. They're chatting yeah. and then the bell rings and they kind of miss out on that opportunity sometimes. Yeah, it's tough. And I know, again, every school is so different. Some classrooms have a grade five buddy that comes and sits and eats with them. 
But I mean, they're only in grade five. That's a lot of responsibility to get them to make sure everybody's eating. We do have lunchtime monitors, but again, they're bouncing between different rooms. They're the ones doing the supervision outdoors during lunchtime, not during recess, but during lunchtime. Recess, it's the teachers that are doing it. So teachers, again, they don't get a a recess break every day. Um, Some schools I know, they have switched to they go outside first and then they come in to eat. Mm. And now those some of those schools, that eating time is now teaching time. So that's when you do a read aloud. And so the kids are fairly quiet. You're trying to engage in some sort of meaningful activity while they're eating and cleaning up quietly. But yeah, it's, it's incredible how different every school does run. Okay, so they've eaten hopefully something. Yep. They've managed to open it. They're familiar with what it is. What happens when they go outside? Because that actually really terrified me thinking about yeah. my little kid, you know, straight out of daycare and into this school. At our school, there's like a lot. It goes up to grade 12, all in the yeah. same campus, just around the same area. I was like, who's going to protect our tiny babies? <laughs> yeah, for sure. What and happens when they go outside? And is even it a free my- for all? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm going to calm your nerves a little, but it is a bit of a free for all. It's very much a scaffolded free for all. Uh, we are a K to five school. I mean, our whole district is K to five. So it's a bit smaller that way, but we have a large school. And so typically what our school does is at least the first month or two, kindergarten students wear a penny. So everybody knows who the kindergarten student is. Oh my if gosh, they're that's standing so by cute. themselves, the school, everybody in the school knows student teacher to go up and say, hi, my name's Lauren. Would you like to go play? And so it's wonderful that way. So the penny is a wonderful system. It's very irritating as teachers to put on 20 pennies, <laughs> 20 pennies. and then take off 20 pennies, especially on rainy days. So that's one thing that they do. The other thing that they do is they go outside at different times than the rest of the school. So if the rest of the school has recess from 1030 to 1045, the Ks go out from 10 to 1015. Hmm. And so there's a good buffer. There's no crossover. They're making sure that they have the playground all to themselves. They know how to walk from the classroom, outside, down the path. This is the playground. These are the expectations at the playground. And when the bell rings, I'm going to pretend. I mean, we're not hearing the bell because it's fake recess. It's not Mm -hmm. the actual (laughs) recess time. You know, we pretend ring. This is how we would walk back up, right? And so that's literally the first two months of their kindergarten experience. Then you slowly start doing recess time with the school, not lunch. You know, the other times are, are big chunks of time. And then usually by the fall or the winter, when you've got the big jackets, that's when we stop using the pennies because it's really hard to fit the pennies (laughs) over those winter jackets. (laughs) Yeah. There's lots of boundaries as well around the school. So the kids are, are very well versed about which areas are safe and not safe. And the teachers and the lunchtime monitors are really good about where they stand and how they do their laps. And so um, that, that part is, is really well done. Yeah. I think with the outside time too, like as a kid, like you said, they have indoor shoes and outdoor shoes and they need to be able to transition multiple times a day between them or on a rainy day, like uh, rainy, wet boots, rain pants, rain jackets, mm-hmm. like 
I feel like I was really worried in the beginning, like, oh my gosh, is my kid just going to go outside in like a sweater and running shoes on a pouring rainy day? Uh, I was surprised, I think, how well it often did come together. Like I was kind of impressed to be like, okay, you managed to get on your rain jacket and your boots. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is nerve wracking in the beginning on this, especially those wet weather days or those cold weather days to be like, is he going to remember I packed a toucan mitts in his bag for him? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I know, I know, again, that all goes into the kindergarten teacher's uh, timing of their day, right? So I usually want to go outside at 1015, but oh, it's a bit rainy. I'm going to get started at 10. (laughs) And maybe I'm going to send only four kids at a time and I'm reading a book to the rest of the class. And then when they finish, they can come to the carpet and then I'll send the next four. So it's less chaotic. You're not having kids um, mix matching their clothing. Another great tip, label literally everything, every, like both pairs of mittens, everything, socks, because they don't, if they don't recognize it, then I it's going to be. I with one sock today. How did this happen? How? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the number of times we've had to go to Lost and Found in the year was astounding mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a great job of pulling everything together and putting it there. But my kid didn't even know how to search lost and found. Like <laughs> yeah, all these things we all have to learn. Um, uh, yeah. The other thing, Lauren, that I think we were kind of curious about, and I know that you do this in your own sort of practice as a teacher, but do some teachers take kids outside to learn? Like what's your kind of experience of that in the kind of Vancouver area or in, in other mm-hmm. areas Um that you're familiar with of are there lessons happening outside? I remember that being like a big worry for me when kids were starting schools. Like I understood at daycare when they went outside, mm-hmm. I understood when they played outside, they'd go for a walk or whatever it was that they did. And I felt kind of good about that. But then you think, and they're going, are they going to be six hours inside? Is that all that's happening? Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about like how you've seen teachers incorporate and how you incorporate outdoor time into learning during the day? Yeah, I think, uh, again, it's hard to speak in general terms, but I have noticed a growing trend to spending more time outside. I know a lot of teachers, kindergarten, but also primary age teachers that are going out almost every single day for a nature walk and then for some extra just playground time. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that they are, um, you know, going out into a forest space or they're going out into a creek. It's they are using any type of outdoor space that they can. And it's amazing because they're still doing lots of teamwork, lots of communication skills, lots of risky play still on a playground, which is super important. I know at my school, uh, they are outside every day between recess and lunch. It is. Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing. And so the kids, they eat their their snack before they go outside. So probably around 10 o'clock, they go outside with the whole school. The bell rings. They get their water bottles outside and they stay outside for another hour and a bit. And then they go in and they are starving. It's awesome. So they actually (laughs) eat very quickly because (laughs) they have worked up such an incredible appetite. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... One of the positives of COVID is that it has led to a lot of teachers going outside when they wouldn't normally have. Mm -hmm. Now, on the flip side, now that people are a bit more relaxed with COVID, they're feeling the pressure to stay inside and Mm -hmm. catch up on academics, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of this worry of, um, you know, we're so behind academically. It's not like it was four years ago. Well, no, it's not. But that's fine. Mm. 
they will get there. It will all work out in the end. Um, and again, that's been a huge part of my work, especially what I'm moving into a bit more next year, because I'm only working part-time and doing part-time outdoor consulting for education, educators, is doing a lot more academic consulting outside. Cool. So last time you were on the podcast, Lauren, you were talking a little bit about what parents can do then, you know, like if you have been like, gee, I don't think my kid ever does this stuff. And maybe you're feeling a little jealous right now and you might not be in BC even as possible. If you're in BC, I'm sure you have a better understanding of the system here, but I feel jealous hearing what you just said about your school. And I'm like, we're going to talk to Lauren later about exactly which school she's at. No, (laughs) (laughs) but like, if you're worried that your kids aren't getting that experience, what can you do? Like, is there anything you can do to influence the teachers at the school level? Is there anybody you can call and ask? But, you know, what can you do around these kind of things to encourage the school to do more outdoor learning with the kids? Yeah, and um, I mean, I would say two sort of main things. One is during your welcoming conversations with your kindergarten teacher at the beginning of the year, say that, you know, uh, one of the most popular questions for teachers going towards the, the parent would be, what are your goals for the kindergarten year? What are you hoping to expect? And then just be honest. I'm really looking forward to outdoor playtime, unstructured time. We need a lot of downtime to help them with their creativity. I want my child to know what it's like to be bored. That's a huge skill that we are kind of lacking because they're so scheduled. Um, and then the other part is, is it's so sad to say, but it comes down to funding. So join your PAC, your parent advisory committee, do fundraising. Can we get you more sand toys for the sand pit? Can we get you a tarp? Like this year we did a week without walls in my class, literally only inside to go use the washroom. <laughs> Amazing. I, I saw oh, this amazing. on your Instagram account wow. and I was like, Lauren is a champion of this. This is amazing. <laughs> and all the teachers need to be like Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> well, my one thing is I'm very, extremely sun sensitive. And so, <laughs> so I'm not great. It was when, hot, right? It was hot yeah, that was first hot. day. Yeah. And I even emailed parents during my lunch hour being like, you know, I'm being really safe with your kids. I know it says it's 28 degrees. Nobody's got heat exhaustion. <laughs> And so our parents got us a pop-up tent, like one of those amazing soccer fields, right? And so that is them supporting me in being outside because Mm. they know I won't go outside when it's hot. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't. It's too much. Um, And so, you know, any type of support with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gardening plots, you know, would you like me to get you a garden bed from Home Depot? They're on sale. Or some flowers, you know, there's lots of things that you can offer for teachers without it sounding like, you know, do this, do that. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast told me to do this thing. No, but that's much more in the spirit. I honestly, like I said, when we were sort of talking about this episode, Mm -hmm. we didn't know what we didn't know. And we still don't. We're only a year in and Jen and I are like kind of clueless, like a black box. What happens in there is a mystery. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about the transition? And, you know, Jen and I are thinking, you know, maybe particularly if your kid's not in care, um, you might have had this glorious summer. If you're listening to our podcast, you've probably been outside Mm -hmm. a lot, probably been doing a lot of adventures. (laughs) And now, bam, you're into back at school. Suddenly your kid's got a new schedule, a bunch of people they don't know. What can we do in the lead up to that and during the first few weeks to kind of ease that? I'm hoping you're going to say it's something to do with outdoor time. 
I hope it's going to be outdoor time. It's probably, you know, if your kids are still napping, they're probably going to be exhausted and need some naps for the first two to three weeks because mm-hmm. it is a huge adjustment to their entire system. Now, luckily, I mean, I can only speak for BC. We do a gradual entry. So it's not boom, nine to three, day one. They go for and in our district, they go for 20 minutes the first day. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes the first day. It's a little it's short. Challenging for parents. But yeah. you're like, uh, my kid's going to school, but I'll be back in half an hour. So I'll be back in the team meeting if you're working full time, you know? <laughs> it, is, it is a very tough two weeks. And, uh, you know, I still have another year before I have to experience it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I work full time. My husband works full time. Yeah. So I am literally going to have to rely on grandparents. Anyways. Yeah. Ask me in one more year what I'm going to do about that. (laughs) But what can we do to support our kids through that transition period? Yeah. And I think it's going to be a lot about, you know, practicing again, practicing saying goodbye, right? It's okay. The book kissing hand, oh, with the raccoon on the front. It's about saying goodbye to your parents, but that's okay. I'm going to kiss you on the hand. You get to keep it. We usually do that the first week of kindergarten. It's so precious. So there's your your parents kiss on their hand. And if you're ever feeling sad, just look at your hand and you know that they're they're with you. They're part of you. Oh right? my gosh. So cute. These yeah. tiny kids. So I mean, some nice. of them are four, right? Like yeah. oh. a lot of them are four, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them, they're still four months of the school year that they're still four years old. So it's, Aww. yeah, they're itsy bitsy. And so, you know, we're going to practice saying goodbye. I'm going to go to the grocery store. You're going to stay here with grandma, grandpa, the neighbor, the babysitter. I'm going for an hour. I will be back. This is just what it's going to be like in kindergarten. It's not goodbye. It's just see you soon. Right. So it's also the, the words that we use. Um, so I would say, yeah, definitely saying goodbye is, is a big one you know, letting them look at books as much as they want to or exploring with art materials. There were a year, I mean, it was during COVID, but there was definitely a couple of years where kids did not come into kindergarten knowing how to hold scissors, how to open up a glue stick, right? So a lot of that stuff and no judgment. I, I do not have glitter in my house. You will never see that. No. A lot of arts and crafts stuff is not entering my house because Me it too. is messy, messy, like, messy. I hate Play-Doh, for example. I don't want Play-Doh in the house. And, like, I can see some up right now. Like, it, it needs to go in the bin. I hate it. It's Jen's really – Jen, you have a much higher tolerance one time, for paint. I was like, one time I sent Kate's oh my kids gosh. home with over and babysitting, and I sent their kids home with, like, pages full of wet paint and glitter. And I was like, oh It was this God. thick. It was, like, an inch thick of glitter butterflies <laughs> oh, so on, in oh. wet glue. And my kid was like, I made this for you, mommy. Don't you love it? And I was like, Jen. And she goes, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like the familiarity with those arts and crafts kind of things, right? Because. Yeah. And it's not that every kid loves arts and crafts and they don't have to, but it's just being, you know, being exposed to a variety of different experiences. Yeah. Oh, those little babies. They are little babies, right? And I know something that we're, you know, trying to deal with with our toddler is the difference. uh, And again, being exposed to knowing what it's like, what it looks like, what it sounds like to play by yourself. What does it look like and sound like when you play with one person, with three friends or with like Mm. a big group? Because all of those scenarios require very different 
social skills. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times we don't really consider that. So do they know how to share? Do they listen? Do they interrupt? Do they clean up? Um, do they know how to talk about a problem to, to solve it? Um, you know, there's a lot of these things that you know, the more they learn how to, how to speak about their, their feelings and their emotions, they're just going to be so much oh, better man. life skills. I found, I really noticed I think it was like the result of the sharing. Like, I think my oldest, my, my only kid who's in school, I feel like he does really well at school, but I do remember, and, and even to this date, I mean, we're almost done kindergarten as of this recording. There's days he wants to come home and he's like, mom, I just want to play alone by myself. Yeah. And I get that because I'm like, all day you've had to share all day. Nothing is yours, mm-hmm. quote unquote, at school. You're constantly yeah. sharing, having your toys maybe taken or knocked over by another kid. And there's days where he just wants to come and go upstairs to his room and like be alone, play with his thing his way. And yeah. so I think I had to recognize like building some of that space in uh, for that unstructured play, whether it was inside or outside, um, that they they need that in, a, in more because of the, the amount of sharing that's happening all day at kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the play though, that play is so, is so important that you're talking about. I mean, that's the one thing that I do love about kindergarten classrooms is typically their entire afternoon is center time or exploration time, whatever they end up calling that term. And that's wonderful for choice time and socialization. Mm -hmm. And a lot of teachers do, 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 (laughs) they go outside (laughs) and they do the center time or exploration time outdoors, maybe at a playground at my school, we're often in the forest spaces, there's Mm -hmm. a few different spaces. So we don't wear out one little area too much, right? We're trying to be really mindful about not trampling that land too much. And so we rotate and it's often unstructured for the first little bit. And I teach grade one too. I'm not even kindergarten, but that type of play is still so Mm -hmm. important. So I think one of the most useful things that I did in the school year, I only did it twice. We're talking about like two afternoons is to go in and volunteer in the classroom. And I don't know if that's possible in every school or if every teacher wants that, uh, but I am so glad I did that. In I think I did it first one in October mm-hmm. and then I tried to go again. And as we will all remember with maybe a little bit of oh, shuddering, it was a horrific cold and flu season here. So I tried oh. again and multiple times I was sick. My kid was sick. I was sick again. My kid was- <laughs> so I think I only made it in once in the fall and then again in May. But to be in the classroom and to actually just for like an hour and a half, and I think I was helping the kids like to glue something down. I was cutting out some things for the teacher and organizing some of her stuff, cleaning some toys on the last day. But to actually see what happens was so eye-opening. And the other piece about it, the second time I went in, um, they had grown butterflies and they were releasing them out in the playground. And like, I know how cute and innocent a one one five-year-old or one six-year-old is. (laughs) But there's something about seeing 15 of them en masse. Like the innocence was almost heartbreaking. You know, the little Aww. the little butterfly that flew off and 10 kids running after it or 15 kids running after it going, go butterfly. I was just like, oh, my God. So I really like if that's is that something that every every teacher wants? They want a parent to come in and volunteer. They want somebody to come and help them cut out the stuff so they don't get blisters on their fingers, maybe. Um. Completely. I mean, but I can only speak for myself. Um, I, it is so it is so wonderful. Um, I've never well, no, I've had one situation in my 16 years where I was like, well, I really want you to come back. Most positive. Yeah. <laughs> we, it, it was okay. You know, it was, it was good for that parent to see 
what my level of risky play was versus their mm-hmm. level. Yeah. Um, because they do need to know that, yeah, I will let your child do that. They're mm-hmm. extremely competent. Like, yeah. they were fine. <laughs> uh, so I think as long as the communication is there between you and the teacher, uh, I think teachers love having an extra hand. Mm-hmm. Um Again, I don't, every school could be so different. You know, we can't take pictures in the classroom, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a lot of privacy stuff. We used to do back in my day <laughs> where a parent would come in and read with, have the child read with a parent. Mm-hmm. We don't normally do that anymore because mm-hmm. again, with the privacy, now that parent sort of possibly could be like, well, I know Jen's reading level. It's a lot better than Kate's reading level. Kate's not a great reader, right? And then goes out to Starbucks and is, you know, not being overly respectful of poor little Kate that's trying her darndest to Just read. try to read. I'm trying to read, yeah. <laughs> right? And so there's a lot of stuff that sadly does happen. And it does, it's very difficult for the teachers to navigate that because I can't say, hey, Jen, stop going to Starbucks and talk about <laughs> Well, maybe you should, though, Laura, maybe you should, frankly. Maybe I should. Um, You know, we have had to do, and again, this is very much in the past, we have had to have little code of ethic talks with parents saying, Mm. you know, if you are going to come in, please don't speak about this student or that student, what they're doing, because there's a lot of stuff that does happen in classrooms that's not... Not public knowledge. Not public. That's not public. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, It's tricky. Okay, one other question for you here, Lauren, just to wrap this up a little bit. When we think about once our kids are in kindergarten, I know many parents I've spoken to, and this includes myself, we don't know what's happening at school. We don't have a teaching Mm -hmm. background. And when we ask questions, we get confusing responses. Mm -hmm. So do you have any tips for firstly finding out what the heck they're doing? Like, is there a (laughs) schedule the teacher can send? Or or questions we can ask our kid that actually help us understand what's going on? Because I'd be like, how was school? Right. And they're like, fine. Good. What did like, you do today? Did you play Nothing. with a person? Nothing. She's like, Nothing. no. Nothing. Didn't do anything. Like, what yeah. can we ask about? <laughs> yeah. And and I'm tr- I'm trying to do the same with my four year olds, right? So, did you read anything about bears today? No, I didn't read a book about bears. I read a book about something, right? And so, oh, that's I a piece no of information, idea, right? <laughs> I just threw something out random and just seeing what he, how he would respond. Uh, and so you can ask something specific. So how was your day? Meh, fine. Mm. What'd you do at recess? Did you go on the monkey bars? Did you play a different game? Um, did you get to draw, um, you know, if it was my daughter, did you get to draw something about princesses and dresses? <laughs> She's driving us crazy. Right? So I'm going to ask something about her interests or something that I know is completely not her interest to see if she did try to step out of her comfort zone. Mm. Did you draw anything about a dinosaur today? Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah. So asking specific questions. What did you eat for snack? I don't know. Did you sing any songs today? Did you go to the library? Did you get to build anything with Legos? So there's a lot of, you know, but it's hard to come up with those questions on the fly. It's just so easy. How's your what day? What you just said is very helpful, though. I didn't That's think of asking helpful. a lot of those. It took me months to figure out those kind of questions. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean you go to the library? Oh, you go to the library. And anyway, yeah. Very helpful, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, Lauren, last time we were on the podcast, um, it, we had a lot of things around your book. But in case people haven't listened to that episode, I would love for um, you to firstly, share. Firstly, which they should go back and listen to because yes, do you remember the epic fail? Sorry. No, it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. That was life changing epic fail. 
So good. Lauren um, can't but, forget it. I do want you to plug your book again because you have some amazing resources. Um, and we always love to support, especially local authors, because you were just around the corner from us here um, in the Tri-Cities. So just share a little bit about your book. And that's, I think it shares so much of your passion for the outdoors in the books that you're creating too. So tell us about the book and where our listeners can pick that up. Oh, thank you. So uh, my book was originally published a couple years ago now. It's called Me and My Sit Spot. And Sit Spot is a nature routine about going outdoors and finding a connection with nature and a connection with yourself. And I had that also translated in French. I will not attempt to pronounce the French title. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, though, that it's in French for parents whose kids are learning in French here in Canada. Yeah, yeah. It's and one of my friends that I grew up with, she's a French immersion consultant in a different district. And so she's the one that translated it for me. And because I do so many workshops with early childhood educators, I then had another version of it called Me and My Sit Spot for Early Learners. Because the original book had three to four sentences per page. And if you are three years old, four years old, that is not your attention span. We need one <laughs> sentence, short and sweet. And so that's what this uh, next version is. It's the same illustrations because I love my illustrator so much. She's so incredible. And that's the book that has actually skyrocketed this year. So Amazing. Yes, Lauren. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So some local school districts uh, and uh, one uh, even across Canada has been contacting me. They have been buying the book in bulk, like and one, a couple thousands of the book to uh, gift to every incoming kindergarten student because they often welcome to K or K events get a bag. And so they've been buying my book with a little nature journal and a magnifying glass. And that's their that's their gift. That is so that's amazing. Good for you. Yes, Lauren. Changing the world. Yeah. One kid at a time. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one so kid at a time. If people want to find out more about your book and, and about the work that you do as well, where's the best place, place for them to find you? I would definitely look up my uh, website, which is teachoutdoors.ca. So www.teachoutdoors.ca. And I'm also on Instagram at teachoutdoors.ca, trying to make everything really simple. (laughs) (laughs) Same name for everything. And actually, my podcast is also called Teach Outdoors. So uh, not getting very creative. (laughs) It's consistent branding. That's important. Consistency is key. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for being on the podcast again, a second time. For our listeners, if this is your first experience with Lauren, please do go back and listen to her episode because that epic fail, honestly, so good. Even if you just listen to that three minutes near like the middle of it, might be our best epic fail, honestly, on the whole podcast series at the end of 2022 into our like yeah. most, most epic fails one. Yeah. And it was fails. obviously yeah. in there. Yeah. It had to be. It was obviously in there. <laughs> well, I wish I, do we have time for a quick extra fail about butterflies? Oh my gosh. Yes. An extra yes. fail. Absolutely. An extra fail. Now this is not my fail. It is a colleague's fail that gave me permission to tell the story, but oh my again, gosh, yes. a K1 teacher, they raised their butterflies. They had the <gasps> parents come join for release day. They went outside, released, and they got dive bombed by crows, and they were <laughs> all eaten. Every single oh, no. was eaten. So oh my gosh! Imagine the tragedy, like the trauma. Those poor of those kids. kids. Oh 
no. Throwing them for weeks and like measuring weeks. them and drawing them and writing Naming about them. them. <laughs> oh, awful. So needless to say, I haven't raised butterflies. <laughs> oh my God. Can I like, tell you a story about this, Lauren? Yeah. When I was there where they were releasing them, the teacher was like, uh, most of them flew off and it was beautiful and magical. And there are a couple that didn't emerge from their cocoons. And so the teacher said like the students like, this one hasn't made it, but we can have a little look inside. Maybe we open it up and just see as a learning experience, see where it got to. They open it up and she says, see, you can see like its little wings didn't form. <laughs> it moved. It was still freaking alive in there. <laughs> wow. I opened up the cocoon and oh. killed it. <laughs> so she was there going, oh. And all the kids are going, what's what's wrong with it, man? What's wrong with it? Why? <laughs> she goes, I'm going to go and put it on a flower to recover. And she's looking at me like, what have I done? Oh, my gosh. The butterflies. Risky endeavor, it sounds like, risky. for kindergarten. Yeah, very Risky brave. endeavor. Well, on that epic fail note, if you enjoy epic fails and would like to listen to more amazing epic fails for getting your kids outside, uh, make sure you hit subscribe to get next week's episode. We publish episodes weekly here on the podcast. We're also over on Instagram at Get Outside with Kids. We'd love to hear your feedback or who you would like to us to interview next, as we're always looking for great guests for our podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, and we hope you'll tune in for more amazing fails, but they won't be about butterflies, likely. Different amazing fails next week. Next week.